That old black magic has me in its spell That old black magic that you weave so well I see fingers up and down my spine Same old witchcraft when your eyes meet mine Back again for another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer, a very special edition, because we are finishing up Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone with chapter 17, and I have to try really hard to get the chapters correct, because I figured if I just didn't say anything, nobody would notice, but in the last two episodes I was going back and editing, and I totally called them by their wrong numbers almost every time. Both of them? Oh, I thought she only did one. No. I I messed up quite a bit. I don't think everybody noticed. No, nobody nobody cares. They don't listen to us. No. So well somebody some people do. More <laughs> I mean they than, listen. They more than you think. Listen to that stuff. More Who than cares? you think. And you can tell us how much you don't care by sending us emails at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail dot com. I guarantee you Jennifer didn't notice. Yeah. So we got the last episode up for Jennifer. Is she happy about that? I don't think she's listened to it yet, oh, but no. she gave me clappy hands when I texted her last night. Oh, okay. I mean, she might be listening to it now, for all I know. Yeah, she's pressed for time. She's got a lot, a lot of well, things going on. She's not on spring break. Ah, and we are. Yes, we forget that the rest of the world is not on spring break. Well, like, the world, the whole we world just traffic stopped traffic yesterday. <laughs> so chapter 17, The Man with Two Faces, final chapter of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. At the end of chapter 16... Harry had gotten past the last obstacle, heading into the final room on the way to get the Sorcerer's Stone, or at least stop what we thought was Snape and or Voldemort. We thought this? Well, the uh, the general public okay. <laughs> thought was uh, heading for the Sorcerer's Stone. But uh, the very last line told us that it was not Snape and it was not Voldemort. And then we find out in the very first line of this chapter who it actually was. Uh, Ron is knocked out, possibly even worse than that. We don't know. Hermione's heading back to get help to gather up Ron and send an owl for Dumbledore, who has been called away to London falsely. Falsely, yes. By whomever is perpetrating this uh, ruse. And Harry enters the final room, doesn't see Snape or Voldemort. He sees Professor Quirrell. Were you surprised? I mean, I, I listed pretty much every character in the book as a possibility. So I, yeah? I'm i going to say that I called it. Oh. Oh, did you now? <laughs> it's kind of like when we play, uh, when we're watching Cash Cab and they say, name five states. And you have to name, you know, the five states that have the highest production of iron or something like that and i just quickly name all 50 states <laughs> yes because yes. Of, you do because you know the little song because and... of the song i learned in in third grade and i can i can name all 50 states in alphabetical order in less than 30 seconds so it it counts yeah it, that is gonna come in handy someday one of these days one of these days, of these Has days. It so far when right. did you learn it God, third, grade. third grade. How old was I in third grade? So you're due, is what you're saying. Yeah. Due any day now. That's going to be. I was important. probably nine, eight or nine in third grade, so 30 years ago, <laughs> as of recording of this podcast. 
So, yeah, I called it. and I'm going to say I nailed it. First try. First try. So, how would you describe Quirrell's demeanor in this chapter versus the Quirrell that we knew from the preceding 16 chapters? Totally different guy. Totally different guy. No more stammering or stuttering. Mm -hmm. Uh, I I imagine, I don't even think it's said that he's standing up straight. He's not all hunched over and quivering and shaking. Uh, he's this. This is a confident guy. Mm-hmm. That was that was going to be the adjective he's, I was going to use. He's sassing a little. C- very confident. Very mm-hmm. confident. I mean, this. It just seems like he was kind of leading everybody off his trail. You know, for the for the but last sixteen chapters. Not me. I called it. <laughs> <laughs> I called it. Absolutely nailed it. And and we're going to talk about somebody else who actually called it too. Somebody else who has kind of been on Coral's, uh, or had Coral on their radar for a long time, and has kind of been doing some things behind the scenes that we were, were uh, the students were unsure or incorrect about his, his intentions. And, of course, I believe everything that the children say. Yes, <laughs> of course. So uh, we've got Coral... Uh, basically like a Bond villain, I wrote in my notes. Oh. You, you know how when, you know, James Bond's about to die and then the villain kind of says, well, if he's going to die anyway, I might as well tell oh, him. The villain speech. I might as well tell him every single thing that, that happened. And, oh, you were confused about this? This is why. You were confused about this? This is why I did this. This is the hand well, that I had in here. he definitely started it, but then Harry continued it intentionally to try and stall for stall time. Stall for time, yeah. Sure. Which is a typical hero. And we've got Quirrell uh, spilling his evil plan that he's been implementing throughout this book. And we kind of get the... uh, We kind of get the impression that Snape's normal personality helped kind of keep the students off of Quirrell's trail and onto Snape's trail. Quirrell basically says that Snape's a weirdo. Yeah, and he's because pleasant. because he's such a weirdo, and he skulks around, and he's you know he's he's so he, his demeanor is so uh, evilish anyway that he would be the first person that you would suspect if somebody's up to something bad, it would be Snape, and Quirrell kind of says that that worked to his advantage, and that that helped Quirrell because Snape is he's easily assumed to have bad intentions and actions but it turns out that we we hear from Coral that Snape was actually protecting Harry throughout the entire book yes <laughs> and like the Quidditch match right and it's Snape Snape is uh, the one who actually suspected Coral of bad intentions all along it was kind of counter counteracting the things that Coral was was doing right what were some of the things that Quirrell mentioned? You mentioned the Quidditch the match. The Quidditch match, uh, a couple of different things at the Quidditch match. Uh, it was Quirrell who was trying to get Harry bucked off his broom, but Snape was doing a counter curse. Mm-hmm. So when so, we saw Snape muttering and keeping eye yes, contact. Hermione misinterpreted that mm-hmm. to that it was Snape doing the cursing and not the counter cursing. Because they were so focused on Snape. Yes. They didn't even think, who else in this row? 
is is muttering is muttering to themselves and staring at Harry, not breaking eye contact. But it it was Quirrell, right? Mm-hmm. And then in the following Quidditch match, Snape refereed the match so that he could be even closer to Harry mm-hmm. to keep an eye on him and protect him. But of course, they all thought he was just doing it to kill him. And doing it as a way of not only hurting Harry, but hurting Gryffindor. Gryffindor, yeah. Being a biased referee. Right. So when Hermione actually bullied her way down the aisle to light Snape's robe on fire, (laughs) she inadvertently broke Quirrell's eye contact by bumping into him. And if you go back and read the chapter, they, they mentioned that, I think they said, like, almost knocked his turban off his head or something like that. Yeah. Which would have been, <laughs> if the tournament would have got knocked off his head, that would have had quite a different path, path yeah. of the book, as we're going to find out later on in the chapter. But you, t- you mentioned Snape wanting to referee the Quidditch match, actually as a way of making sure that he could be even closer to Harry to kind of c- counteract anything that, that Quirrell had going on. And Snape knew that Quirrell wanted the Sorcerer's Stone, and when they were in the forest that one night, when Harry was kind of flying over on his broom, Snape wasn't there to get Quirrell to help uh, Snape in capturing the stone. It was to kind of put the fear in Quirrell not to do that, right? Yeah, and that conversation, I believe he was saying, you need to figure out where your loyalties lie. Okay. I think he was still maybe trying to say, no, don't. Don't be a bad guy. Mm-hmm. Come back. Don't do bad things. Um, so that was probably part of the argument because I think that was that line is in there. Mm-hmm. So he wasn't actually colluding with him. He was trying to kind of put the fear of God in him mm-hmm. at that point. Get him back on the right path. So before we go any further, I, I wanted to ask you, and I had it in my notes here somewhere, but it, while it's just kind of fresh in my, in my mind, if Snape knew that Coral was was up to something and Snape knew that Quirrell had intentions on on getting the, the stone why didn't Snape just go to Dumbledore with this information well and we're not even sure he didn't I think right after you asked me that I actually read a paragraph where the, the kids talked about it mm-hmm. and Ron just keeps saying how Dumbledore like he's worshipping him he's great but he's off yeah, his rocker he's nuts yeah. he's nuts yeah I got that written down for later on too um so kind of at the end he kind of kinda likes to see how things will play out and Harry in that later part of the chapter too said I think Dumbledore wanted to give me my shot mm-hmm. wanted to let me try it out mm-hmm. you know this guy killed my parents I have the right to face him kind of thing so and maybe he kind of wanted to I don't remember what movie it kind of... You just said that, and the movie kind of popped into my head. Instead of... And I don't remember which one it was, so I apologize. But instead of doing a preemptive strike and maybe taking down Quirrell, who's kind of small potatoes, we know that Dumbledore knows that Voldemort's not gone Gone. forever. He knows that whatever form he's in right now, he is eventually going to, you know make another go at world domination or whatever his plan is. And maybe if we if we take out Quirrell now, okay, you know, it's kind of like, you know, getting putting the drug dealer in jail. 
but you really want the drug supplier. Yes. You know, you really want the, 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 the big dog. You really want to, you know, trail it all the way back. So maybe maybe you're, you're right in that Dumbledore is kind of letting things play out to see if maybe Voldemort would expose himself or maybe You'd Voldemort would. Right. Especially if they could catch Voldemort in like a weakened state. Yeah, if they you know. had stopped Quirrell right at the beginning, like, you know, after Halloween or one of these encounters with Snape where, you know, he, he obviously suspected something and went after Quirrell. If they'd stopped him there, then they don't really, they'd have still have no idea. They'd be no closer to Voldemort, just like you're saying, getting the drug dealer and the drug supplier. Right. Plus they're learning information. They didn't know exactly what sort of condition Voldemort was in. So it's just information. Well, you're, that's why you're the best in the business. Oh. You're having a big show. Okay. I uh, kind of feel like I just said the same thing you said. Well, no, I mean, but you're the one that it was what you said that kind of made me think that. That wasn't even in my head until literally two minutes ago when we were recording this. And you kind of, you know, what what you said there about, about Dumbledore kind of letting things play out, you know, not jumping in too quick. You ever watch like a cop movie where, you know, this, this person's been playing like this cop's been undercover for like three years and then like somebody comes in and blows their cover. It's like, I've been working on this for three years just so we could arrest some, you know, you know, some low life. You know, I've been working on trying to get to the big man for three years and now y'all, you ruined that. So Yeah, you're trying to blow the whistle on this little guy who yeah. just doesn't matter. And Dumbledore seems like he's kind of playing the long game here, mm -hmm. which makes a lot of sense. We uh, Something else we found about Quirrell in this chapter is that he is apparently a troll whisperer. Apparently. <laughs> he knows a lot about trolls. Uh, you, you mentioned in, I don't know if it was the last show or the one before, I kind of asked, well, who... Uh, who put the troll down as one of the obstacles to get by. And you said, well, it has to be Quirrell because potions was Snape and uh, the, uh, what was the, we had chessboard the- Chessboard was McGonagall. Chessboard was McGonagall. The Herbology, Professor Sprout. Right, was the Devil's Devil Snare. Snare. And then the keys was uh, the little guy. Flitwick. Flitwick. <laughs> he's, he's a little guy, right? <laughs> yeah, okay. yes he is. <laughs> <laughs> that little guy. The little guy. But uh, Quirrell's contribution to protecting the stone was the troll. Mm -hmm. And it makes sense that the troll, when we, when Harry and Hermione are going through the, the obstacles to get to the, the Sorcerer's Stone, they, don't, they basically just walk through the troll room because the troll is passed out. And if that, is, that, that was actually Quirrell's contribution, and he is this troll whisperer that he claims to be, he would have had a very easy time... With the troll. Getting past the troll. And then it also makes sense that he that Quirrell would have been the one who let the troll into Hogwarts several weeks ago in the first place. When we thought that, it, that maybe Snape did it in order to get everybody's focus away so he could get to the third floor to get to the Sorcerer's Stone when he actually got bit by Fluffy. That was actually Quirrell who let the troll in, and Snape was heading to the third floor, but he was heading to the third floor to try to head off Quirrell, right? Yes. Okay, I just make sure that I got it. <laughs> that you got it all. Because I thought, like, man, I, I, I think I got it, but I always got to check with Jess because uh, usually I'll have something wrong and she'll call me on it. So we talked about Snape going through all this to protect Harry, all these different things that he's kind of been doing, even though he's had a very snarky 
attitude. Attitude toward him. Just has not been very nice to him, yet he has been protecting him. We don't find out till later in the chapter why Snape was protecting Harry, so I want to save that until we get toward the end of the podcast. But we do find out pretty early on in the chapter that Harry's dad and Snape were Hogwarts rivals years ago, yes. right? Yeah, Quirrell mentions that, that they he hated your dad, mm-hmm. and that's why he hates you. Right. But it, it doesn't, we don't really know why he's why he's protecting Harry, why he was counter-cursing. And... Well, he's a professor at the school. It's his job. Well, <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. I mean, technically, but, you know, he should be protecting all of the students equally. Yeah. Harry I, might need a little more protection, I guess. but that's not, you know, his fault. Snape just kind of, kind of strikes me as like a, like a natural selection kind of guy where he would just, hey, if you're not strong enough to survive, uh, you know, a professor trying to knock you off your broom, then hey, maybe you're not strong enough to be a wizard. You know, McGonagall seems like the kind of person who would, you know, be very protective of the students. Just Snape just never, I guess just based on his personality, never struck me as that. Especially how how he's really kind of singled out Harry Potter. You know, we kind of seem that, we kind of seemed to think that maybe he was doing it because Harry was kind of coming in with this celebrity Status. and and that would that you know wouldn't sit well with a professor you know that a kid comes in and would assumingly if he had all the celebrity kind of think that he knows everything even though that's not Harry at all but that mm. would be the first thought, thought that you'd get take in your him head, down a right? couple of pegs. sure absolutely so the final <laughs> obstacle we re-encounter something that popped up several chapters ago, and that is the mirror of Erised. So remind the listeners, when did we last see it, and what can the mirror do? Uh, Harry and Ron visited it. Well, Harry found it, but him and Ron visited a couple of times. Uh, it shows you what you desire most. Mm-hmm. So for Harry, it showed him his family. For Ron, it showed him being like the hero of Hogwarts, being, mm-hmm. on the, Quidd- being the Quidditch captain, winning mm-hmm. the House Cup. Yeah. Um, all the things that he doesn't think he'll be able to achieve in his brother's shadow, or even if he does, it's not going to matter a whole bunch because all of his brothers have done it before him. But uh, one of the nights that Harry went to go see his family, Dumbledore caught him, and they had a little chat about it, and he said he was going to move it. That's when Dumbledore's just walking around invisible. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I don't need a cloak to be invisible. Apparently not. Yeah, well, I mean, if you're... One of the more power, most powerful sorcerers in history. You know, you could probably do all kinds of cool stuff. So, the the mirror is Dumbledore's contribution to to hiding the stone, and the stone is hidden in the mirror somehow. And like you said, you should be able to look into the mirror and see the thing that you most desire. But when Quirrell looks in, that he can only see a reality where he's presenting the stone to Voldemort. He can't actually see where the stone's at. And he's kind of like looking on the back. <laughs> like like maybe he thought he's, that like, uh, you know, that Dumbledore like duct taped it to the back yeah, or something yeah. like that. <laughs> or he's thinking about breaking it. This, he's thinking outside the box, but not in the right direction. And while this is going on, Quirrell has Harry ensnared in some kind of plant bindings. I don't know if it was actually double snare or not. No, it said it was ropes. Oh, it was ropes. Okay, it was like ropes like... It felt like double snare. 
I didn't know if the like ropes the ropes were like alive and like okay. wrapped around. Yeah, that was that was kind of I guess what I was picturing in my head was the. There's uh, also the a line where he said he couldn't move because it felt like Devil Snare had him around the feet. Okay, but there wasn't actually anything there. He was just too scared to move. And Quirrell cannot, for the life of him, figure out the secret of the mirror. And then he hears a voice, but it's not just a voice that he hears in his head. Harry thinks it's weird that he hears it too. It's just the two of them in the room, but he hears, use the boy, use the boy. Yeah, and it's coming from Quirrell, but he's not moving his lips. Right. So he was confused by that. Right, so that that's when things start to get a little creepy. And Harry had figured this out too. He was trying to scoot over and get in front of the mirror because he said, right now, what I want most is to find the stone mm-hmm. before Quirrell. Mm-hmm. So he knew that if he got in front of the mirror... He would see how to find it because that's what he wanted most. But apparently this mysterious voice is smart enough to realize that too. Yeah. And Quirrell forces Harry to look into the mirror thinking that it will unlock the stone's location. Harry, when he looks into the mirror, he sees himself himself with the stone. And he sees himself, I think, pulling it out of his pocket and looking at it and then putting it back in his pocket in the mirror in the mirror image. Mm-hmm. And then when the mirror image of Harry puts the stone back in his pocket, Harry feels his actual pocket get heavy. Heavy. <laughs> and I think he he realizes that the real stone is now in his actual pocket, right? Mm-hmm. So Harry, of course, to you know, hide this fact, lies about what he sees. I think he says he's what did he say he saw like he him? borrows Ron's oh okay winning the house Sing cup Jane winning the okay. house cup shaking hands with Dumbledore oh, that's right that's right but that scary voice pops up again and knows that that he's Harry's lying. lying so this is when the scary voice can't take it anymore and we get the big unveiling and Quirrell unwraps his turban he turns his head and instead of seeing the back of Quirrell's head. On the back of his head <laughs> is the face of Voldemort. Yes. What, what's the title of the chapter? The Man with Two Faces. Yes. And uh, he literally has two faces. Yes. <laughs> and Voldemort, all this time, you know, Quirrell's body has been merged with Voldemort. And that's why he's been wearing the turban, right? Yes and no. Because he was wearing the turban... In the very beginning, when he met him at uh, Leaky Cauldron. But Quirrell says that after he failed to get the stone from Gringotts, my master decided to keep a closer watch on me. Mm-hmm. And people who have read all the books know that that is a very important distinction because uh, Quirrell and Harry shook hands in the Leaky Cauldron. Mm-hmm. And they didn't have an issue with it. Ah, okay. So they're yeah. So later on in in this chapter, they um, do more than uh, we have a little tussle, and every time there's contact, there's uh, definitely Pain. something going on there. Mm-hmm. So Quirrell's body has basically been merged with Voldemort, and Voldemort has been living off Quirrell like a parasitic organism, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that was Quirrell in the forest. Drinking the unicorn blood for Voldemort to, to feed him. To feed him. <laughs> so creepy stuff going on. 
Voldemort orders Quirrell to seize Harry and the stone. And as we kind of teased a second ago, what happens when Quirrell tries to grab Harry? His skin burns and Harry's scar burns. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hot take. Hot take. <laughs> I didn't know if we were going to get all the way into Let's it Let's get into yet. it. Yeah. All right. We're here. So, yeah. Coral tries to grab Harry. He has excruciating pain. And he lets go. And his hand is blistering already. And then Voldemort yells at him again. Kill him. Kill him. Kill him. And so Coral does as he's told. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And goes and tries to choke Harry. Yeah. Despite the, Despite every, the p- every time he touches him, it's just pain. searing pain. Yes. Um, and then Harry figures this out, even in his pain, because his scar is burning. Mm-hmm. And he feels like it's going to split open. But he figures this out, and so he reaches out and grabs Quirrell and just is touching him as much as possible mm-hmm. to cause more pain. Right. Kind of going along with, you know, if I can... I know, you know, I can't go toe-to-toe with him on a wizarding level. If I can, it, it, it's still going to hurt me, but if I can hurt Coral in the process, and in turn, Voldemort, you know, who's living off of Coral, if I can do that, and I can buy some more time until Dumbledore can arrive, then that's probably his best option mm-hmm. at that point. Harry does this basically to the point of exhaustion, and eventually passes out from the strain of the battle. And he wakes up in the infirmary with Dumbledore hovering over him. He's a snitch. Yeah, he th- no, thought, it's glasses. Yep, thought, thought it was a snitch. He kind of reached out for it, and it was Dumbledore's Dumbledore. face. And Harry kind of comes out of his, um, his haze while piles of candy and gifts sit next to his bed. And Dumbledore basically recalls the events of the three days before because... That's how long Harry's been passed out. Passed out for three days. In in the infirmary. And he's got a lot of questions. And we get a lot of answers. Yep. We don't get one we get get one big answer that we want. (laughs) A lot of lot of people uh, exposing a lot of uh, facts in this chapter. Well it turns out Dumbledore did not need the owl to return to Hogwarts because by the time Hermione and Ron, who is okay, so Yay. Thanks. For, good job, Ron. You get to show up for six more books. Yay! <laughs> you didn't. You didn't. Uh, you didn't have to die a hero. You were still a hero either way, and you can uh, enjoy the uh, all of the yeah. forthcoming adventures. Yeah, all, all the <laughs> the nonsense that comes with it, all the death-defying stuff that comes with it. Uh, they were basically going up to release the owl. And, or did they already? They, they sent the owl. They sent the owl. Or, well, I don't even know if Dumbledore knows. He just kind of was like, oh, she, did you get Hermione's owl? Right. And, he and they, like, he said, oh, oh I probably passed it. Yeah. We must have crossed paths. I got there. And we even talked about that a little bit on one of the episodes. We're like, he's going to get there. And everybody's going to be like, I didn't send for you. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? So he got there, immediately knew, nobody's, I'm yeah. not supposed it to be. Didn't here. take him long to no, figure no, he's out. He's smart. Guy. Yeah. He's smart. He's a smart cookie. So as soon as he got to London and realized he'd been tricked, he was uh, Dumbledore was heading back to Hogwarts. Uh, Quirrell never got the stone. Dumbledore arrived just in time to stop him. Apparently, Voldemort has, because the body that he was inhabiting was dying, 
Voldemort is off, you know off in he's you know gone in the gone like the wind right he's yeah. back to being a vapor or whatever he said he said something like that in the chapter you know I was uh, no more than a vapor or anything because of you and now I have to you know inhabit bodies like this and ha- you know drink unicorn blood just to stay alive but once I get that stone I can you know create a new body for myself and you know restore myself to my former glory so we don't know where Voldemort's at he's not dead though we know for sure that Dumbledore told us that he's going to come back and we're going to we'll handle it when it happens and he might try to come back again we'll handle it when it happens like we said uh, Dumbledore comes back he takes care of Quirrell so Quirrell's dead Quirrell's dead Quirrell's dead yes because I don't know if they just like came out and said it they said uh Voldemort left him to die but I didn't know if they yeah, actually said that. Dumbledore says it. He says he's dead. Um, they handle that all a little differently in the movie. Okay. We can wait till after we watch it. Um, but and the way they handle it in the movie causes some issues later too. But um, the important thing is in the book, Harry's fighting Quirrell. He passes out from the fight. Voldemort leaves and Quirrell dies. Gotcha. And another thing that kind of comes out of this is that Nicholas Flamel, the person who the stone belongs to and who has been using, him and his wife have been using the elixir from the stone for like 600 years or something like that. Yeah, something like that. uh, Has decided that he's going to destroy it. It's too dangerous. Absolutely. Especially with Voldemort trying to use it now. They'll never be safe. There'll always be a chance. And he's not going to put that on himself. He's like, well, we're going to destroy the stone and... And the sad part of that, it kind of like gave me goosebumps a little bit when I was reading it, is that, you know, Nicholas Flamel knows he's, him and his wife are going to die now. And they they got enough of the elixir to kind of get their affairs in order. But it's it's sad. Check those last few things off the bucket list. Yeah. But it's something that he knows he has to do for the greater good. So, you know, Nicholas Flamel's kind of got his own little hero moment here, too. In order to keep the stone away from evil, you know, at the cost of my own life, I'm going to go ahead and, and and sacrifice. And it's not, you know, when I say sacrifice, some some people are probably going to take that the wrong way because they're going to say that, well, he's lived like 600-something years. What's he really sacrificing? <laughs> but He's still dying. Yeah, he's still dying and he still loves his wife. That's a, that's a good marriage right yeah. there. Yeah. <laughs> Strong marriage. Six six hundred something years. There's, there's got to be something a little added into the elixir that like keeps. Yeah, like love love marriage. potion number nine, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Um, <laughs> uh, so Nicholas Flamel, that you know, kind of has his little moment in the chapter there. Uh, Voldemort left Quirrell to die. He's still out there somewhere. Harry doesn't understand why his touch was so hurtful to Quirrell. And uh, Dumbledore explains, and I kind of I wrote down the page number so I could go back to it here. Okay, I could explain too. Well, go ahead. He says it's because well, he says Voldemort doesn't understand why he can't touch you because he doesn't understand love, and the reason that Voldemort couldn't touch Harry was because his mother, needlessly, sacrificed herself. Voldemort even says your your father fought valiantly. Your mother didn't need to die. He just wanted to kill Harry. Mm-hmm. And so she threw herself in front of Harry and protected him. And that 
sort of love, that sacrifice put a protection type spell on Harry. And it's on him. He's marked. It's on his skin. And so then Voldemort couldn't hurt him. Right. And it hurt actually hurt Voldemort too to touch that. And uh, Dumbledore says, Your mother died to save you. If there's one thing Voldemort cannot understand, it is love. He didn't realize that love, as powerful as your mother's for you, leaves its own mark. Not a scar, no visible sign. To have been loved so deeply, even though the person who loved us is gone, will give us some protection forever. It is in your very skin. Quarrel, full of hatred, greed, and ambition, sharing his soul with Voldemort, could not touch you for this region. reason. It was agony to touch a person marked by something so good. The other question that we have, we don't get an answer to. We get an answer to a lot of questions. Uh, we get, uh, we find out, well, let's, uh, before we go to the big question there. more. Because uh, it turns out that Dumbledore had left Harry the invisibility cloak. Yes. Uh, which we, we kind of, or you, you knew already, but I had kind of assumed that Dumbledore would, would have been the one that, you know, took it to the dry cleaners, got it all pressed and no everything. No dry cleaners. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's a running joke here. That's what we have fun with. Or I have fun with the running joke here. But the invisibility cloak belonged to Harry's dad. Mm-hmm. And Harry left it, or Harry's dad left it in Dumbledore's possession. Why are you shaking your head Because like I know that? all kinds of things about that. Oh, you... Future things future that we don't, that we don't want to spoil? Future things okay. that we're not spoiling. Gotcha. I didn't know if you were getting ready to say something. Nope. We get a bombshell about Snape and his relationship to Harry. And the bombshell is about the fact that Snape has this huge dislike for Harry, yet this overwhelming desire to protect Harry. So what is the secret behind that? Well, Dumbledore says that Harry and Harry's father and Snape didn't get along when they were schoolmates. He even mm-hmm. compares it to Harry and Malfoy. He said that James saved Snape's life one time, which I vaguely remember, mm-hmm. and that that's why Snape doesn't like Harry. He feels or doesn't like James or Harry. He feels obligated. Mm-hmm. He's indebted to James. He's like, grumble, grumble, grumble. Yes. (laughs) It said, and then your father did something Snape could never forgive. He saved his life. How dare you? Because now I'm indebted to you. I have to pay you back. Mm -hmm. And I can't can't do it now. You just can't hate him. It's like, I can still hate you, but I can't hate you as much as I really want to (laughs) while I owe you something. And I can't pay, I can't save your life because James Potter is gone. Yes. So in turn, Snape feels that in order to get this burden off of him, Oh, the horrible burden of paying back somebody that saved your life. So you could have the pleasure of hating them with all of your, uh, with all of your intention right now. He can only do about 75% hate. He can't go full 100% hate until he pays back that debt. He's paying back that debt by, protecting the son of James Potter, right? Yes. Okay. Nothing, anything else to expound on that? You're smiling. What does that mean? What does that mean? You're smiling and like <laughs> tears are starting to, like water's starting to well Nothing. up in your eyes. Okay. We need to move on. Okay. Big question yes. that Harry has is, I understand the part 
about my mom loving me and protecting me and that giving me some kind of power to kind of counteract Voldemort in a way. But what I don't understand is why would Voldemort want to kill me in the first place? Yes, because this is the first time he really hears the story how Mm -hmm. Lily didn't have to die. He wasn't there for that. That wasn't why he was there. He just always thought Voldemort was this evil person who came and murdered his parents. And then tried to murder him. Mm-hmm. Just make a queen, queen sleep, sweep of it. But now he's hearing a little different story that Lily didn't actually have to die. And that Voldemort was just there to kill him. Yeah, if you'd have just let me kill the kid, you could have lived, Lily Potter. Mm-hmm. So that means he really, really, really needed this baby to die and what was Dumbledore's response why would Voldemort want to kill Harry in the first place <laughs> the thing all adults say I'll tell you when you're older <laughs> pretty much the first thing you ask me I cannot tell you not today not now you will know one day put it from your mind for now Harry when you are older I know you hate to hear this when you are ready you will know and Harry knew it was no good to argue mm-hmm. so I have a feeling that the answer that Harry wants is going to be the precipice for the next uh, six books. (laughs) And that we will eventually Uh, find out. You're going to wait a couple of books. Oh, yeah. You're going to wait many books. Uh, If I the the little bit that I remember about the movies, you're going to you're going to wait a long time before you figure out for sure. Uh, we also learned, I thought it was kind of cool, the secret behind Dumbledore's uh, enchantment with the mirror and the stone. Mm-hmm. Why Harry was able to look into it and have access to the stone, but Quirrell couldn't look into it and have access to the stone. Because they both really wanted the stone. That was, at the time, the thing that both of them desired the most, right? So they should have had equal opportunity to get the stone. But what was Dumbledore's clever plan with uh, his enchantment? You know, the first time I read it, and probably the couple after that, I really, I was was like, oh, Dumbledore's so clever. Mm -hmm. But as I read it this time, and I was explaining it a little bit ago, I mean, Harry actually figured it out, too. He didn't know the trick. Mm -hmm. But he knew when he looked into the mirror, what he wanted most was to find the stone before Quill. But what Quirrell wanted most was to get it and give it to Voldemort. Mm-hmm. So that's why he saw himself giving it to Voldemort. Right. He didn't see the how to get it part. He right. only saw, and so that's what Dumbledore put it on the in, put the enchantment on the mirror was only somebody who wanted it, wanted it the most, wanted it and not to use it. Right. He said the person who wanted it to use it would see gold and riches and. What came afterwards was what they wanted most. They wanted the stone, but they wanted it because of, for a reason. They wanted to use it. So Mm -hmm. that's what they would see, what they were going to do with the stone. They wouldn't see getting the stone. Which makes sense, because if Dumbledore ever wanted to get it out of the mirror and hide it somewhere else, Mm -hmm. he would be able to access it that way. Because he wouldn't be getting it out to use it. He would be getting out, you know, to potentially hide it somewhere else. Uh, but anybody else that went down there who was getting it, they were probably wanting to get it to use to it. To use for, it for probably for nefarious and means. And that's what they would see. 
We also get an inter- interesting conversation between Harry, Ron, and Hermione after the trio is reunited in the infirmary, after everything settles down. And it kind of goes back to what we said earlier about Dumbledore kind of wanting to let things play out and something that you mentioned earlier about maybe Dumbledore letting things happen, you know, kind of being the puppet master kind of behind the scenes to kind of set things up to give Harry a chance to kind of prove himself. Mm-hmm. And that's where we get the a uh, couple lines from Ron about, you know, this guy's off his rocker. This guy is, you know, should be in the loony bin, you know, <laughs> putting... Uh, but in the most... Adoring way, in the most adoring and respectful way. Yes, <laughs> you know, like he's when saying you, these things. Like when he's crazy. Like when you say to like, somebody, "Now, don't take this the wrong way," and then you could just say whatever hateful thing you yes. want. Or <laughs> now, don't be offended by this. No, I think Ron literally thinks it's cool. No, I, I got you. He's just, you know, that old guy got even cooler. So, um, but yeah, I think he's just trying to back to that. He letting it play out. I'm sure letting Harry do what he needs to do but also i think dumbledore is also just trying to gather information mm-hmm. you know i bet he had suspicions about the protection on harry but whether he knew for certain that that was there and that it would react that way i don't think he knew he's kind of watching and learning little uh i mean it is a little <laughs> odd to you know kind of use children as your uh, your pawns to borrow a chess uh, reference, you know, kind of using these these kids out there. I guess Harry would be Harry would be a little bit more powerful than a than a pawn. He wouldn't be like a the king, the queen, or the king. He might be more like a uh, like a knight or something like that. No, I think he's still a he, pawn at this point. He can, he can he's move. His he can, first year. Well, I mean, a, a knight is is not that much stronger than <laughs> than a pawn. They can move in an L shape. <laughs> and that's about that's it, you know. So slightly, you know, they're slightly higher on the totem pole than like, you know, Joe Blow average Hogwarts kid, right? So I th- I'd put Joe Blow average Hogwarts kid, you know, uh, Hufflepuff extra number four, Aww. you know, as as the pawns, and maybe we'll, maybe we'll give Harry a little promotion. We'll make him a knight or a, a bishop or something like that. Get a, a little interesting visit from Hagrid, too, before we kind of wrap things up here. <laughs> I, that was my note. Yeah, what's your note on Hagrid? That Hagrid shows up, you know, and he's very upset. Very he's upset. sobbing and crying, this is all my fault. Mm-hmm. I I told that that man that, or I told, I don't remember how he calls him, but mm-hmm. I told him of how to get past Fluffy, this is all my fault, you could have died, all for a dragon's egg, mm-hmm. I can't believe I did that. I'm going to quit drinking. I'm never (laughs) drinking again. How many times have you heard somebody say that? (laughs) That's actually one of Jennifer's favorite lines. She tells me, I'm going to New Orleans with my friends. I go, "Uh uh-huh, and tomorrow you're going to tell me I'm never drinking again? Mm, You're kind of throwing your friend under the bus (laughs) here, aren't you? Well, it's it's a running joke with us that I text her and she texts me. Kind of putting her her stuff out there on Front Street. I'm sorry, Jennifer. Yeah, hey, I'm going to leave it in the podcast. (laughs) Who cares? It's good. Maybe we'll get get some more listeners and we get get a little drama going here. Like you said, it's most people who drink say that afterwards. (laughs) I'm never drinking again. Mm -hmm. Nope. I uh, I don't believe you, Hagrid. I don't either. I don't believe you. You like the the brown liqueur 
a little too much. He kind of makes, I mean, I can say he totally makes up for it because Harry did almost die, but there's a, a neat little um, gesture Gift. that Hagrid makes. And what was that? Uh, yes, so Dumbledore gave him the day off. Oh, that's, that's instead good. Of, instead of firing him that's for good. endangering these children, which probably just adds to, you know, well, how, can Dumbledore really throw stones here? Yeah. I no, mean, he can't. No. <laughs> he goes, not only am I not going to fire you, you get the day off, you Get buddy. the day off. <laughs> Because I, I was I was using you yeah, too. I, you got it. You got it. <laughs> you are think, also a pawn. You know. So now that you said that, when Hag, when Hagrid says that, I can't believe I I told uh, that that man or whoever how to get past Fluffy. If if he didn't, and and Harry said that if you didn't, he would have found out. You know, some other way. You know, you got to think that Dumbledore would have found some way to get the information to them or to Quirrell slash Voldemort right because he wanted to see how this far this yeah he kind of wanted to see how far this could go and who knows well, maybe it I was uh, maybe it was Dumbledore pouring the drinks at the bar that night <laughs> maybe he uh, threw a you know if maybe he was the guy at the end of the bar he said ah oh, a couple extra for my friend down there the big guy okay all the book people are dying right now just so you know why is that i can't tell you okay fantastic yay book people okay, so we I'm, all know so i've just embarrassed myself no or, okay no because i'm a i'm a i'm not as cool you as you don't people. know how close you are Ooh. interesting uh so the, the puppet master is had his hands uh, on more. I'm not calling Dumbledore a puppet on more strings than I thought he did. But, but what's given the cool... Hagrid's history, I think Dumbledore was pretty sure. Yeah. I think that was a given. Yeah. Like he was probably surprised it took that long. Yeah. So <laughs> he probably was worried he didn't wasn't gonna have Harry in the right place. Gotcha. Before that happened. So what's the uh, the cool gesture that we get from from Hagrid? He made Harry a photo album. Mm -hmm. He apparently wrote to all of. James and Lily's old classmates mm -hmm. and got photos. That's not cool. just any photos, wizarding photos. Yeah. So I'm getting a little goosebumpy. The here. kinds that the kind that move. And he makes a little photo album mm -hmm. for Harry. So he has pictures of his parents. He doesn't have to sneak off in the middle of the night That's to cool. the mirror to see them. Yeah. He gets to see them and and they wave and, you know That's interact really neat. a little bit. Yeah. I thought that was really neat. I like I said I got a little goosebumpy and I got a little goosebumpy talking about it just because that you know that for a kid like Harry with all the stuff he's had to put up with and just being so detached from his his real family something like that is you know you know sometimes a gift like that is much more appreciative than um, you know something that you spend a lot of money on you know just like something that you know, something that you make with your own hands, you know, is a lot of times, you know, better, you know, even though it didn't cost as much as going to the store and getting something. But something that you put that much thought and effort into, um, you could really tell that Hagrid really cares about uh, Harry. Now, did Hagrid, r remind me, did Hagrid have a lot of interaction with Harry's parents in the past? Do we know that yet? Or do we, do you know we that We don't know all? that okay. yet. Um, I didn't know if they went to school together. We know Hagrid went there for a little bit. <laughs> yeah, Hagrid was only there for a little bit, and no, it was not in the same time frame. Okay, I didn't know if Hagrid was the the, the groundskeeper when 
James and Lily were there? No. James and Lily were in Hogwarts during Voldemort's, like, rise to power. Okay. So they were, like, the young up-and-comers. Yeah. I mean, they weren't on Harry's age. They were older. Mm -hmm. They were older students at Hogwarts at the time. Gotcha. But they were the young up-and-comers. Gotcha. While he was being evil. Okay. Well, I won't, I won't press too much because I don't want to accidentally reveal something. So, final scene. We're in the Great Hall. The final dinner of the term. Uh, evil has been defeated. Woo! Uh, we're getting ready to go home for the summer, even though Harry probably would rather fight evil demons <laughs> than go <laughs> home and fight the uh, three evil demons that he has to live with, the Dursleys, <laughs> over the summer. But we get the big final feast. Harry's well enough to get out of the infirmary and go. This is where also where we're going to find out the House Cup results. And the hall is decorated in green and silver, celebrating the seventh consecutive Slytherin Cup victory. Yes. So, Slytherin is winning. Uh, we did find out in the little so visit. So Kelly, Kelly and my brother Andrew are both very happy because they're both proud Slytherins. We found out in the visit from Ron and Hermione that Slytherin had won and that Ravenclaw had beat Gryffindor in the Quidditch match. I think, or I think to, they said they... Um, I had to say that. Slaughtered them. Slaughtered them or, or mowed over them or... <laughs> Is like uh, bowled over or something like that. It was something like it was like it wasn't even close. No, it wasn't was, even close. It was, it was a blowout because Harry, dumb Harry, had to go fight the you know essence of evil in a dungeon to save the world, and he couldn't make the Quidditch match. No, how dare you? How dare you? Uh, Slith final results: Slytherin four hundred seventy-two, Ravenclaw with a nice showing four hundred twenty-six points. You know. Maybe if they would have had like a better uh, seeker or something on their Quidditch team, or maybe if they would have fought a little bit of evil, they could have uh, gotten some more got points. Some more points. <laughs> uh, Hufflepuff, whoop whoop, 352. Not bad. We're just happy to be there. Yeah. We're just happy, just happy to, be, to be at Hogwarts. We're, hey, we're, just, <laughs> we're just happy to be at Hogwarts, baby. And Gryffindor in the bottom spot with 312. And we think that is going to be the end of it until... Dumbledore stands up and says... He's got a few last-minute points to, little bonus to dish point. out. Little bonus point action. Uh, recent events need to be taken into account. Well, we got to. Yeah. You know, it still came in under the clock. It did. You know, so. Uh, Actually, three days ago. So, yeah, way under the clock. These are overdue. Yeah, Dumbledore says, I have a few last-minute points to dish out. Mr. Ronald Weasley, for the best-played game of chess Hogwarts has seen in many years, I award Gryffindor House 50 points. 50 points. That takes him up Woo. to 362. And now Hufflepuff is in last place. Aww. But we're, like I said, Still we're just, just, happy, to be we're just happy to be here, baby. We're happy for everybody. Except for Slytherin. Except for Slytherin. Because they're they're bullies. Uh, they're not all bad, though. No. And I seem to recall in the movie, though, <laughs> they all that, that they got, like, the meanest looking kids they could find. <laughs> Like, all of them have that, like, that, the, those eyebrows that are shaped to look like they're always mad. <laughs> like, their dormitories are in the dungeons. Yeah. Well, you I'd thought, be a little cranky, probably too. probably be mad, too. I thought that was kind of cool because, you know, Ron, I just imagine him, you know, already digging into his food, like a mouthful of mashed potatoes or something like that, and then 
Uh, Dumbledore calls his name out. He's like, hey, what did I do? I didn't do it. It was my brothers, <laughs> you know, or something like that. And then his brothers were bragging about him. That was him. cool. That was yeah. really cool. That they were like, this is my, he's our brother. He's the youngest one. He's the youngest Weasley. We claim him now. <laughs> uh, second to Miss Hermione Granger for the use of cool logic in the face of fire. Literally in the Literally. face of fire. I award Gryffindor House 50 more points. Woohoo! So now... We are at uh, 412. Ooh. Hermione buried her face in her arms. Uh, Harry strongly suspected she had burst into tears. She was so happy well, because... You know, she's just really getting those 50 points back yeah, that she lost. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> she's kind of breaking even here. So, uh, so shout out to Ron for actually uh, having, a, having a positive gain here and Hermione just kind of breaking even. And third to Mr. Harry Potter... For pure nerve and outstanding courage, I award Gryffindor House 60 points. Ooh, he gets a little uh, he, extra. He gets a little extra because he Because he's the knight and he, not the pawn? Because he came face to face with pure evil, <laughs> literally. Yeah. <laughs> and right. almost died and went into a, a three-day coma yeah, in the process. Yeah, he was in the hospital for, for three days. So that gets, you, gets, uh, that gets you 10, 10, 10 bonus points. So now uh, we have a tie. 472 for Gryffindor and 472 for Slytherin. And whenever you have a tie at Hogwarts, it is always uh, broken with what? What is the go-to? I have no idea. Oh, what you, you didn't know that? No, it's, what are we talking about? It's, uh, 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 Butterbeer uh, chugging contest? Nope. Uh, I like that idea, but it is wizarding rock, paper, scissors. Oh, yes. I've never heard of this. Yeah, you actually, you know, wave your wand and actually ma it shows like the... You, you make a rock or a paper. Yeah, and the rock actually like bashes the scissors. It's kind of like the big chess game. Oh. And we mentioned like the, the Star Wars chess game, you know, let the Wookiee win, mm -hmm. where they have the guys actually battling each other. That's exactly what it is. I looked it up. Oh, okay. Um, where did you look this I up? I looked it up in... Just on the uh, internet in general? Uh, it was in, uh, at the Library of Mystical Congress. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, well, I think that applies to the... Because we're in America. Ah. So you think of the American wizarding schools. Ah. Uh, this maybe. is... Well, Hogwarts is different. Yeah, they probably don't have rock, paper, scissors uh, over on the other side of the pond. Yeah. So we've got a tie here, but Dumbledore raises his hand because he's not done yet. Not done yet. And he says, there are all kinds of courage. It takes a great deal of bravery to stand up to our enemies, but just as much to stand up to our friends. I therefore award 10 points to... Neville! Because... I love Neville. Neville stood up to his friends to try to keep them from... Saving the world. <laughs> saving the world. <laughs> and losing any more points for, for Gryffindor. Neville Longbottom gets 10 points Woo! for uh, getting uh, his legs tied up and falling flat on his face. Uh, with no, the... it was a full body. It wasn't just his legs. Oh, okay. Full body bind. Okay, full body bind and falling flat on his yes. face. Do you think we should roll him over? Maybe, ah, all right. <laughs> Neville gets 10 points, and that puts Gryffindor at 482. We got our bonus points in, and Gryffindor, for the first time... Uh, well, we don't know how long it's been since Gryffindor's won. We just know that it's been seven years since anybody other than Slytherin has won. And... Three fourths of the houses are really excited about this. Yes. Ravenclaw's okay with it. We know, I'm, you know, the Hufflepuffs. I'm you know, okay we're okay with it. And 
it's like anybody but you, Slytherin. Anybody but you. Anybody but the hot cops at and, trivia. And I think I remember this from the movie where you know Dumbledore kind of claps his hands and all the banners ma- magically change, change from color. to you know the I think he said scarlet and gold. Scarlet and gold. Or maroon and gold. Or it says scarlet. Scarlet. Yeah. Okay. Later, I think we shift over to maroon. Okay. Or maybe that's just only in the movies. And the snake and the serpent changes to the lion, and um, it's a big celebration. And then we just have the the final scene, heading home for the summer. And uh, how did the goodbyes go, kind of for the different families? We all were, were, you know, back on the train. We have to kind of go back into Muggle life. We're changing out of our robes and back into our regular clothes. We still are carrying our owls in little cages, which (laughs) there's nothing you can do about that. No. I mean, you're just going to look like a weirdo carrying an owl around. It's not that weird. Uh, It's a little weird. You ever seen it? You ever seen it out in the world? <laughs> you put your bird. tongue. You put your tongue back in your Birds. mouth. <laughs> Just gets her tongue out when she knows she's like thinking really hard, and she's got kind of a goofy thought in her head. People carry birds in cages. It's just a different kind of really? bird. Yeah. You ever seen it? Yeah. Just been like walking around. Somebody's carrying a bird. Oh, this is my bird. This is this is well, my. Well, no, when they're going this places, is... like you got to take your bird to the vet. People okay. bring their birds into PetSmart okay. to go to the vet and things like that. Okay. You take your bird places. Okay. So how how were, how did uh, kind of talk about like the different interactions we saw like when the Dursleys show up and then when the uh, Jenny and Mrs. Weasley show mm-hmm. up and kind of talk about some of that before we. Uh, well, head Jenny out. Jenny squeals and says, "There he is! There he is!" But he's not. She's not talking about Ron. No. Nope. She's talking about Harry. <laughs> And, um... She's smitten. Cute little Jenny. Mrs. Weasley, of course, corrects her. Honey, it's not polite to point. And yes, I see them. Stop. <laughs> Just stop. Yep. You're not carrying an owl cage, but now you're the weird one. Yeah. They chit-chat a little bit, and Harry says, thanks for the romper. I had thanks for the romper. Oh, okay. I had sweater. Yeah, I had sweater. <laughs> and uh, what else did she sent? Cookies, too, right? Fudge. Fudge, that's right. Fudge. Gotcha. And she just kind of makes, oh, no big deal. It was nothing. and But, you know, Harry, it is a big deal. Oh, huge. And I kind of felt bad for him for, like, a second there. I was like, oh, I, I, I didn't like her dismissing it as it was nothing. Mm-hmm. Because it wasn't nothing. First of all, we know they don't have a lot of money yeah. or resources. She probably had a little more time to sew with all of the kids away except for Jenny. So she had some time, but you know she's she's a busy woman. She's got things going on, and she took time out of her day to do that. I know what she's saying. She's mm-hmm. saying, "Oh, it's no big deal. It's nothing," because that's what people say. But I don't know. Just there was a moment there where I was like, "Oh, don't dismiss it as nothing. Yeah. Like you didn't. It wasn't. I didn't even put any thought into it. I just did it because." I, I think that's that kind of goes with her idea of. You know, when, when Jenny saw Harry for the first time, and it's like celebrity, and and when I think when Ron, or I, maybe it was the Weasley, or maybe it was the twins, when they saw Harry and they were kind of making a big deal out of, you know, how famous he was. Yeah, they and were going to ask him stuff, and yeah, she forbid and she kind of cha- chastised them for, for doing that. Maybe that's just kind of her way of, you know, if I, if I, if I make a big deal out of, you know, how much we... How much we care about you and how special you are and and all these things. She's probably just more concerned with making him feel normal, I guess, if that makes sense. You know, kind of not not by saying it's not a big deal. You know, kind of saying that. You know, you, 
I don't know how how to how to really say it, but yeah, no, I know what you're saying, and and there was nothing else she could have said there other than you know well, that wouldn't have made it strange, like you know, well Harry, we love you too, or you know, yeah. you're such a good friend to Ron. Or, it's still pretty early in the relationship sure. here. Mrs. Weasley hasn't met him all that much, right. but we know because she's like a Mrs. Rhino that she just bothers <laughs> everyone. Mm. And that, that's, that's just, exactly that's what my mom. That's exactly what her. my mom would have said. You know, my mom would have baked like, you know, a, a ten course meal or something like that, just for somebody that she barely met, who was, you know, in the hospital or somebody who. And then you, said it was no big deal. Yeah, no, it was no big and deal. I know, and I totally understand what she was saying, but just for Harry, I kind of felt like it was a big deal to him, and yeah. she was kind of dismissing it. It was like she would do that for anybody, so I'm not really that special. And I know what you're saying about mm-hmm. not playing up the celebrity factor, but for him, I don't know. I just that moment caught me, and I was like, "Oh." I think he knows. I mean, I think he. Knows, he I think but... he knows because the, the Weasley clan in the last several months has shown him more love than he's had in his whole life. You know, from these people that he had he had just met that he's not that has no kind of blood relation to, have shown him more love and affection and care. An interest than his his own, you know, pseudo family has because I I guess he's only so I guess he's only like blood related to Petunia the aunt right yeah yeah okay his aunt well I mean so his cousin too through his aunt but sure gotcha but like they're you know kind of come off the uh, the branch of of his mom and his mom's sister and I mean she could care less if he you know has an enjoyable life or gets things for for christmas or or anything like that um so i i just think that he knows you know but i see your your point with that too so do you want to do what we talked about yeah okay so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna pause the recording i'm gonna i'll put in some like fun music for you or something like that at this point uh jessica and i are going to watch the motion picture version of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone and then we are going to come back so we're not going to make you wait two and a half hours I'm not going to play two and a half hours of music here yeah let's not do um, that I'm gonna, I'll play about 30 seconds of music and we're, we'll, tie, we'll act like it's time travel Oh, uh, that'll be fun Yes. maybe I'll play like some time travel oh sounds. should I go get my time turner yeah okay. can you go get that Yeah. yeah. okay hold on I think I found it She's 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 really far away. Oh no, she's coming back. She's coming closer. And and you have your time turner. Yes, it's right here. See. Okay. So uh, Jessica, if you could go ahead and uh, manipulate your time turner there, Uh, we will do two and a half hours of movie watching in about. Actually, I don't think we need this until after we watch the movie, and then we'll jump back to to this time. Okay. So I'll just set this here. Yeah, just set that aside. On the table. We'll use that in a second. <laughs> I'm glad I got it though. And then we're gonna come back, and we probably won't talk for long. It's not we're gonna go, like go scene for scene for the movie or anything like that. But we'll probably come back and talk for you just know big differences. S- seven eight minutes about uh, so some of 20. the. <laughs> which for us turns into an hour, but we're gonna try to like keep it short because we've already gone over an hour and. Ooh. You know, because we like to chit-chat about things that we like. And we enjoy each other's company. Well, it was a long chapter. Yeah, it was. As as my two pages of copious notes notes. can attest to. So we're going to watch the movie. We're going to come back in about 30 seconds of your time. 
However, we are going to use the time turner uh, and actually uh, come back. So it only seems like we're gone for 30 seconds, but we really are going to be gone for about the next two and a half hours. So uh, we'll let you know what the future looks like. All right. Because we'll we'll be there. Hopefully, you know, World War III hasn't broke out or something like that. We never get to finish the podcast. That would be, oh, I was going to say, we don't get to finish the movie. So that would be awful. Yeah. If we're not finishing the podcast, it would be bad too. But if we don't get to finish the movie, (laughs) that would be awful. Well, it is the best Harry Potter podcast within walking distance of the Missouri River. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you knew that, but you know that's what the people are saying. I've heard this. So uh, we'll be back in just a little bit, and we'll talk uh, about some of the observations and the uh, comparisons and contrasts that we have between the book that we just finished, Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, just wrapping up Chapter 17, and uh, the movie that we're about to watch. So we'll see you in just a little bit. All right, we'll see you later. We're back. Poof. Oh. <laughs> You're a little late there with the, with the, the, with the poof. Oh, was that? No, that was you appearing. Yeah, I was, I was a little behind you. Yeah, I came back and you, uh, you left your purse back in the future. So. Yeah. So, My phone, yeah. actually. So you came in late into a poof. Yeah. A poof. Uh, we finished the movie. All done. Uh, man, it went like super fast. And, I mean, that's a good thing, because, I mean, I really enjoyed it. I, it's probably been a couple years since I had seen it, and I enjoyed it much more the second time after having read the books. I don't know, it, I mean, if that makes sense. I'm, I'm not usually one of those guys, like, oh, the book's better than the movie. I'm not like a, you know, I don't know you're, you're more, you know, you have a shirt that says, like, the book, book was, was better. better. <laughs> but In most cases, that is... Very strongly the truth. I mean, most of the movie, the books that they turn into movies, they they butcher it. Yeah. Um, this one's not so bad. Yeah. I mean, we we've got lots of like conversations that are almost word for word from the book. A lot it's of them, yeah. Nice. I mean, of course, it's not the exact same. Of course, they have to condense things. It's a movie. That was that was the theme of our conversation yes. during the movie. Like, was that? Well, they skipped the this. Yep, condense. You gotta condense it, babe. That's what you kept telling me. You gotta condense it, babe. And we hit the highlights, though. We hit the notes that you needed to hit. So, were you proud of me that I was remembering things from the book and pointing out, (laughs) (laughs) pointing out uh, things that were different? I just, I was trying to kind of curry favor with you. Oh. I mean, not trying like just for that, but I was kind. After I would say it, I was kind of like, yeah, she thinks I'm pretty cool because I was paying attention. So I wrote down some uh, some notes, and you can some feelings. Yeah, well, not, I mean, not really feelings, just kind of things that I noticed that were very different, or things that were left out, or things that were like overly condensed. And I know we couldn't, you know, the movie would have had to have been probably another two hours long to kind of get even probably seventy five percent of of the book in. Mm-hmm. You know, we. It's not a big book. No. I mean, but when we got into the later books, it's going to be really condensed. Right. And I, and I was telling you that everything's going to feel condensed when we've talked for 
Yeah, and and you know this was this is our seventeenth episode. And I know not every every episode has gone an hour, so let's just estimate and say we've talked fifteen hours about this book, and then we saw a two hour and twenty minute movie. <laughs> you, you seemed a little disappointed. You were like, "It's Christmas already." <laughs> it was just Halloween. Yes, but we kind of jump like that in the books too. I it's mean, a, there's a little bit of, but it like tells you it's like. Oh, Halloween. And then two weeks later, we had our first Quidditch match. And then you see so you have these little tiny bumps in there, but mm-hmm. they just kind of mush it all together in the movie. And then, you know, before you know it, they're, you know, jumping, jumping, through, the jumping through the trap door. I was like, they were already here? Oh, my goodness. So uh, the first thing that kind of stuck out, stuck out to me is that the opening scene, uh, the delivery of Harry to the Dursleys, was pretty um, accurate. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was pretty much the way I... Envisioned in, in my head, you know, having read the book more recently than I had seen the movie. I, I don't think I was skewed too much by my viewing of the movie several years ago. I think that I had more of a, a independent idea in my head. I thought that was pretty accurate. You know, they kind of, like, they got through it Quickly. pretty quick, but, but not enough to where you can you could even get the... The feelings of, that Hagrid had, you know, the emo- how emotional he was about leaving... You know, baby Harry with the Muggles, and it, I, I, uh, I thought that was really well done. And yeah. I thought that was really accurate. Uh, the the zoo trip, uh, Dudley's birthday trip to the zoo, super sp- sprung up on you. Yeah, I'm just like, all right, we're going to the zoo. <laughs> you know, all where he's uh, Harry's 11 years old, and we're going to the zoo right away. I mean, that's we're already in like chapter. Two and a half at that point. But we did hit the points. You got the gist that he was in the cupboard, mm-hmm. that he is mistreated. She, it was locked. Mm-hmm. He was locked yeah. in the cupboard. And you find out that Dudley's uh, a jerk like, right away. As, first from, from, from first appearance, you know, you're like, all right, well, well done. And you get the whole, you know, Cinderella feel, fix our breakfast and don't burn it this time. And mm-hmm. get my coffee and get this. And mm-hmm. they're snapping Come around. on, boy. And, I mean, they they paint the picture very quickly. Absolutely. But they did do it. They hit all the points you needed to hit. But we didn't have, like, the going to the zoo and the coming back from the zoo. and the... Well, and the whole thing with she, he was supposed to stay with the babysitter, mm-hmm. but she broke her leg. Right. So we kind of skimmed o- skipped over all of that. And didn't one of Dudley's friends come along in yeah, the book? Yeah, in the books. Yeah. Uh, super, I mean, super condensed, but we got the, you know, interaction with the snake, which is going to... Something we need to keep an eye on for, for later on in the, in the, the books and the movies. Um, it seemed like the the Hogwarts letters in the book were delivered over a longer period of time. Like there were many more attempts to deliver the letters in the book than there were in the movie. Is that the same feeling you got? Yeah, um, I think we're supposed to go with it was different days mm-hmm. because you could gradually see him getting a little more. Mr. Dursley getting yeah. more frazzled yeah. in the in the clips, but it's very fast, almost montage ish. Sure. Um, it's so. like Rocky working out, <laughs> yeah. you know. So Mr. Dursley loses his mind. Yeah, absolutely, same thing. Just... Um, then they they skip over the moving him upstairs. You know, when they see that it says to Mr. Harry Potter in the cupboard under the stairs, they mm-hmm. kind of in the book they're like, oh, they know where he sleeps. Mm-hmm. Ooh whoops are bad and they move him upstairs yeah. so the, and then the address changes on the letter and and it just kind of keeps in the move in the books it's kind of right. it keeps changing yeah, it's with wherever cool. they're hiding yeah or... absolutely uh, we we didn't have the 
the series of you know like the national lampoons trip across the country escaping the letters this the series of stops on the way to to wally world uh there was no you know no uh attempt of giving harry his own bedroom which was dudley's playroom you know to to kind of yeah to kind of appease him to kind of say hey look you know we're taking care of him uh just just kind of leave us alone and it, we did have Mr. Dursley nailing the mail slot, but we didn't have the Harry sneaking out in the middle of the night to try to get the mail before uh, the Dursleys could get to it. We didn't have Harry tripping over Mr. Dursley at the foot of the stairs right in front of the door. We didn't have Mr. Dursley sealing up the windows, I don't think, which which was another thing. It just seemed like, and like you said, you, it was kind of montage I guess, but it seemed like it went from Mr. Dursley is a, was mad about the letters to all of a sudden he's nuts and his hair is all... I said, man, he looks really disheveled, like really, like pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. And that was that was Sunday. So, yeah. And I think also, I mean, I know they talked about it being Sunday because they talk about it being Sunday in the books, but I also think they kind of were like, hey, it's Sunday now. Guys, we've traveled in time here, even though we didn't really show it. I, I kind of, I wrote down in my notes that I kind of wonder if they, it's almost like they filmed more days of deliveries. Maybe Mr. Dursley sealing up things and, but for time constraints, they didn't use all they of them. Down, yeah, down. because Probably. it seemed like he kind of just went from upset to nutso pretty quick <laughs> uh, and I'm wondering if they're like they just always on the edge of nuts so. yeah yeah if, I'm just wa- just kind of wondering if they had some extra footage that they didn't use uh, once we actually get to Hogwarts there was no midnight duel that was actually a whole chapter in the book that I thought I thought I remembered that being in the movie. Maybe that's something that I... Maybe that's that's probably a scene that I'm remembering from yeah, one of the there, different movies. There is a duel, and that's why I was so confused, yeah. too, in that, that part. When I got there, I'm like, Midnight Duel? What? I don't... This isn't right. It's not this book. I'm gotcha. so confused. Uh, Quidditch game. In the books, Harry was basically told by... Uh, is it Woods? Wood? Mm-hmm. Wood. Wood. Uh, What's his first name? Oliver. So that's what, I was going to say Oliver, but I said, no, that's one of the Weasleys. No, it's not Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> no. I'm sure there's an Oliver Weasley out there somewhere. Somewhere. An uncle, a cousin. Yeah, I'm sure. Of course. Uh, in the in the books, uh, Oliver Wood kind of just tell, kind of tells Harry, stay out of the way, but be actively looking for the snitch. And in, in the movie... He's kind of just getting caught up in the game where he's like, yeah, and yeah, and oh, I need to be like an active participant. You know, when he finally sees the snitch, like it seemed like he could have been looking the whole time. <laughs> he was looking. He was just I mean, I, I know it's his first. other things while I know it's looking. his first game, but he's kind of just, you know, you know, dead weight at, at that point. Just kind of mm-hmm. in the way. I thought I just thought that was interesting. Uh, the whole side story about the dragon is super condensed yeah. down to the point where, I mean, it's totally different. We, we actually, the, the trio is switched to take Neville out and put Ron in. 
Well, it was Ron when they showed up. Mm-hmm. You know, when they showed up at Hagrid's that first night to talk to him about Fluffy and everything. Um, or I think they were down. They figured out it was the stone at this point, Sorcerer's Stone. So they, I don't remember what they were asking him mm-hmm. about that time. But then they they found out about the egg, and then they had to come back a couple of days later to watch the egg hatch. But right, really they got, got like pulled out of class time. almost, like during a class break. And that's when Malfoy spotted them. Yeah. But here it's just all in one swoop. Yeah. They, so they that, go to see Hagrid, the egg hatches, Malfoy's there, and so, it's pretty much over. So they get in trouble for being at Hagrid's hut after hours mm-hmm. when the dragon hatches. They don't get in trouble for, like, the clandestine midnight dragon delivery, <laughs> uh, you know, sending uh, Norbert to... And there and there's no reference of Charlie. They do re- mention Romania, which yeah, is where... His brother. Which is where Charlie is. Yeah. Uh, they do mention that Dumbledore had sent Norbert to Romania, and we find out, I guess it was, was it before or after that... Ron mentions that uh, Mr. and Mrs. Weasley were going to go visit Charlie in Romania. That was Christmas. And where he so d- where he... he takes care of dragons. So we can kind of, you know, piece together that Charlie's probably going to be there, you know, at this dragon farm or whatever <laughs> where uh, you know the dragons are are dragon uh, allowed to grow. Yeah. Gotcha. It's a sanctuary for dragons. Gotcha. We've got the foursome that gets in trouble and gets the detention of going into the Forbidden Forest, which in the book, in the in the movie was the, the dark, dark forest. forest. You didn't which, like that. No, I mean when you're reading the Forbidden Forest is forbidden. That's I mean it's kind of funny, but it's, it's forbidden. Yeah, it's funny <laughs> that they're using the same word, but it's dark. Then you say the dark forest is forbidden. I'm like that's not as cool. No, it doesn't sound like a room is dark. Yeah, but a room's not forbidden. <laughs> you know, like it's tra- third floor. Well, corridor. that's right. I thought it was kind of, that brings up another thing that I totally forgot about, how they got to the, that third floor where, where, right, where Fluffy was. It was just random chance that the staircase dumped them there, dumped them there, unless that was Dumbledore moving pieces around. You know, we don't know at this point. Like, after reading the book, I kind of think that Dumbledore is like, well, got his hands book, in everything. Well, they're, they're running from... Well, they ended up on the third floor corridor because of the staircases and they got lost. Mm-hmm. But then I think Mrs. Norris comes down the hall and yeah. so then they go running right. to go find a place to hide, which is the same in the movie, I guess. But, I mean, it's not just completely by chance that they end up at that door. Mm-hmm. But... it's It's a quick change of staircases rather than a big, you know, labyrinth being lost in a labyrinth mm-hmm. uh, type situation. But, you know, like I said, the dragon story, I mean, Hagrid doesn't raise this dragon at all. No. I mean, got, yeah, in the book, he's, the he's hatching it and it's getting big and he's having to go get, you know, things to feed it and it's, uh, was it like burning li- down his house? Yeah, live and- chickens and... <laughs> whiskey yeah things like that it was uh it was severely or chicken blood yeah that's chicken blood feed it chicken that's right because i thought it said chicken broth for some reason <laughs> that's a big it. difference yep big difference i was like oh nope blood uh there was only one centaur in the movie uh what was his name friends friends 
Uh, we didn't have the trio of centaurs. Creepy-looking friends. Not yeah, not hot. not super uh, gorgeous, <laughs> gorgeous, handsome friends. Friends, yeah. Hmm. But we didn't have the uh, the group of centaurs talking about the moon and stars and Mars is and bright tonight. Mars is bright tonight. I'm, I'm kind of okay with that, <laughs> like being <laughs> being cut out. I kind of I I kind of did like the the fact that Ferenz was kind of the the new school of, of centaur in the in the book, where he was kind of not rebelling, but kind of pseudo rebelling against the you know the old guard yeah and that hey you know the world is changing and if evil's coming we need to not just sit on our hands Mm -hmm. our our hooves or or whatever (laughs) Whatever. or whatever we have Uh, just a couple more things and then anything else you want to add the when we actually go into uh through the trap door there was no troll guard you know uh, guarding the stone so in the books, they're very. J.K. Rowling is very specific to mention that all of these different professors had a hand in pr- each one of them providing a piece of the puzzle to the to the protection. To the protection. Layer of protection. And in the movies, it's not that way. I mean, it could have all for for all we know, it could have all been Dumbledore, or it could have been Dumbledore and McGonagall. Yeah, or, I just Snape's the only one that's singled out. Mm-hmm. Hagrid says he's one of the people helping protect right. it. Shouldn't have told you that. Yeah. But um, you enjoyed that quite a bit. I did. <laughs> I, I was like, I shouldn't have told you that. <laughs> I, I like that. I like that. Um, so yeah, he's the only one specifically Snape, and then actually, so which one was Snape's? If out of the ones that were actually mentioned, it doesn't make sense. No, I mean it's we know that Snape is is multi talented though, like a lot of wizards are. Um, they said that that he's had his eye on being uh, professor of the dark arts. So obviously, he's not just a one trick pony with the potions. And then we see what you know, what the counter curses and that he was doing using to to help protect Harry. That he it wouldn't have had to necessarily been a potion thing that that he con- contributed. But that brings me to our next thing. There was no potion room, and I thought for sure there was in the movie that there was a potion room. I thought that I rem- maybe I just saw a picture online that somebody created or something of the potions all lined up. But I thought for sure there was a potion room with that riddle that I spent so much time on. <laughs> I, and that was, to me, that was Hermione's time to shine. Yeah. Whereas well, the, the devil's snare scene was different, too. Uh-huh. In the devil's snare scene, she she doesn't get caught at all. She jumps up and runs off to the side. And, right. and she kind of panics and loses her head and doesn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. In, in the movie, she does get caught. She and figures out the answer, but she doesn't. Yeah. She just goes limp and she do. falls to the <laughs> so, bottom, yeah. and then she has to save Charlie or uh, save Ron. Save Ron. Char- Ron. Charlie. Charlie. Percy. Yeah, I'm doing. My, I, I'm doing my mom again, where she just calls Jenny. out all the names, <laughs> including Jenny in, in including there. the dog's name. I was upset that there was no potion thing i was really upset after all that time i spent on it yeah you wanted to see it play out i wanted to see it play out i, I really did you like dumbledore so hermione things play out so i yeah absolutely <laughs> I, so hermione earns her 50 bonus points for getting the boys out of the devil's snare not for the potion riddle yes. so that's that's pretty much all i had 
that kind of stood out to me. Anything else that you thought was super on the money or, or super different? Um, well, you had said that, that the end scene was quite different from what you imagined. Ah, okay. <laughs> like the, the okay. end scene okay. with Coral. Well, I, I kind of... I compared it to, and I know I brought up Star Wars a lot because so, I'm super geek, but I, com- I compared it to the scene in, I think it was episode three, where Obi-Wan and, and Anakin are dueling on like that lava planet, and Anakin gets like all burnt up, and like he's missing an arm, and he's missing a leg, and he's just like burnt to a crisp, and still alive, like still like clinging to life, and that's when the emperor comes and gets him and you know turns him into darth vader with the like more machine Spoilers. more machine than man the movie's been out for like 20 years <laughs> so and uh and it and it sucks too so there's really no need for anybody okay. to see it but in the in the movie when harry touches coral he just kind of turns to ash I was a little annoyed right off the bat because when Coral grabbed him, yeah, nothing, nothing happened. happened. I was expecting, I was, like, I was expecting like his hand to like you know gradually sear. like, like in the yeah, book, sear. It, it, he he pulled back and his hand was blistering. But yeah, then Voldemort or maybe not or like right at the exact second that he touched him. It's kind of like when you touch like something hot, it doesn't hurt you right away. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> or sometimes if you're my brother, you <laughs> even if the there's a was a, it hot. Did you burn There's me? A famous story I can't where tell. there was uh, a plate of uh, pizza rolls. Probably pizza rolls. Uh, I was getting them, or cookies, or something. I was getting a, a pan ready to go. You into were the putting oven. them into the oven, yeah. And, and he turned around and bumped me, and I'm just trying to balance the tray with food on it. And he just sees a, a panful of pizza rolls and assumes that it was hot, and just freaks out. <laughs> and said, "Ah, was that hot?" Did you burn me? I can't tell. <laughs> it's 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 almost like his like he was afraid that his nerves had been so seared by the by the hot pan that he couldn't uh, he couldn't notice whether he was in pain or not or I don't I don't know. Famous story. Bring it up all yes, the time. Yes. But I, that was that was weird to me. I would just assume that in in my head I saw it playing out as. You know, Quirrell is gradually getting more blistered, and he doesn't want to keep touching Harry, but he's got... There was a little bit of that where, in the movie where Quirrell's hand kind of turns to ash and just falls off. What kind of magic is this? Voldemort tells him, get back in there, get him. But in the book, I, I, it was, I just kind of envisioned it as more of, I'm just gradually getting more... Burned. burned and hurt but my, my master is forcing me to you know to to trudge on whereas in the book i mean he his hand falls are in the movie his hand falls off uh quarrel and then pretty much he's turns into ash and crumbles over well he goes in again and mm-hmm. harry grabs his face right. that time and then is i mean then, he, and he just falls yeah. apart well, once you know, a, like a house his brain of cards. turns to fa- to ash there's not much left. I guess yeah. so. It just all, all it, goes. But again, condensing. I, I guess I just assumed that, you know, it was something that he didn't die right away or maybe he 
over the course of like five to ten minutes just gradually kind of succumb to to his it's wounds injuries. because in the in the book harry actually passes out from the strain of the and battle we don't know what happened right I, dumbledore could even have come in and kind of yeah, kind of finished finished, finished him off. <laughs> I, mercy put yeah. him out of his misery something i don't know um well he kind of implies that he said that you know voldemort left him mm-hmm. because he has no more compassion for sure. his enemies as his followers and so maybe something about that ripped some remaining energy out of out of quarrel mm-hmm. yeah so harry actually in the movie passes out after like the specter of voldemort kind of passes through his body that's and, and you're rolling so your eyes you didn't like that <laughs> no, i didn't like that part you didn't like that i don't like that it that quarrel's hand doesn't burn when he touches harry mm-hmm. and i don't like the smoky figure that passes through Harry and then he passes out on the ground. It was it was kind of cool the uh, initial scene where Quirrell meets Harry uh, in the pub. Everybody wants to shake Harry's hand, but Quirrell kind of pulls his hand back. I thought that mm-hmm. was that was kind of cool. And then also the scene where Hermione, you you pointed it out and you actually paused the movie so we could look at it, where it look Hermione thought that Snape was. She's uh, looking at Snape. Hexing the broom. But yeah. if you look just behind him, there's Quirrell doing pretty much the same exact yeah. body. I mean, doing, sitting the same way. He's kind of got his hand up, so you can't tell if he's moving his mouth or right. not. Um, but, but he, he is, is transfixed, fixed, absolutely. Yeah. And Hermione doesn't... It's not Hermione bumping Quirrell on the way to light Snape's robe on fire... Uh, Hermione kind of sneaks under the bleachers and lights Snape's robe on fire, and w- in the that panic, commotion. yeah, in the panic of of, of all that happening, over. yeah, absolutely. So it was a, a little different, but super enjoyable to watch. We we kind of commented on some of the the CGI doesn't hold yeah. up as well. Uh, it got got very. I mean, not that I'm not, I'm not like super picky about that. I know, like my brother is. Uh, my brother's super uh, picky about, and my brother uh, Boo, that is. I was gonna say you're gonna have to specify. Yeah, there's there's so many, we, many there's so many of us Weasley slash rhinos. Um, Andrew actually listens to the podcast uh, uh, pretty religiously. Uh, doesn't strike me as the kind of guy who'd be super. Um, picky about things like that but boo is yeah. the one that's I mean, closest in age to me you have to take the time into account it's an older movie yeah i mean it's just they didn't have it then and and i don't think that the budget then i mean the books were taking off but how were they to know that the movies would yeah. hold up yeah to a so, mass audience you and know? then and then once they get insane it's almost like um like the first uh uh the second when we're recording this, uh, the second Deadpool movie hasn't come out yet, and they're talking about doubling the budget for that. Uh, the first one I think only costs like uh, like forty five million to make, which is nothing for a superhero movie. I mean, I think like Justice League was like two hundred and fifty million to make, but they're talking about. But you know, they didn't put a lot of money into it because R rated superhero movies are not proven at the box office Mm -hmm. so if you don't put a lot of money into it you don't have a lot that you have to make back i mean they put some money into this movie it's not like they they were you know cheap but they probably weren't just like rolling out the 
you know, opening up the coffers and, and just the Scrooge McDuck money vault and say, take whatever you want. Mm-hmm. You know, this is uh, a kid's book being turned into, trying to be turned into a major movie franchise. And we've talked on previous episodes about how s- sometimes when you take an insanely successful book, it does not always translate well to film, especially when you've got these grand plans to turn it into uh, multiple movies. Um, you were talking about the um, uh, the Shadowhunters books. Yeah, the Shadowhunter books. I mean, she... I mean that was envisioned to be the next Hunger Games, you know, movie. Uh, and the Hunger Games are some of the most money-wise successful movies ever made in cinema, and it just didn't work out that way, right? No. Uh, well, I think Allegiant bef- or Divergent before that mm-hmm. kind of. That happened first. Kind of scared and everybody. That flopped. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I think the Mortal Instruments, when they tried to do the Shadowhunter movie, mm-hmm. I don't think they put a lot of money into it because they weren't sure again. They yeah. were kind of pulling they back got, again. They got gunshot. They, they threw all this money into Divergent, but they made Divergent, the first book, into a movie before the third book was even done and out. And, mm-hmm. and they're, they're throwing a lot of... <laughs> A lot of faith into this mm-hmm. and then the third book was awful yeah and they they never even made they never even finished making the series as a movie mm-hmm. they would they talked about well they split the second book into two movies like they do with almost all of them but they didn't they didn't make the, the second half of the book they were talking about making it a tv show yeah but they couldn't get any of the actors to do the transition part of it yeah because that would be that would involve more time and less money and you know plus a lot of actors going from a lot of actors see it going from movies to tv as a a demotion and so to, i feel like they just like smiled and sunk into the shadows like mm-hmm. yeah we didn't make into, that last movie hopefully into nobody the noticed. shadows shadows Hunters? No. <laughs> no. We're talking about Divergent. Are we combining universes? Shadowhunters, yeah, they made the first movie and it was a huge flop. Mm. I did kind of like the actors they had, like better than the ones they have for the TV show. Uh, did they have the Old Spice guy in the movie? No. Uh, so the guy from the Old Spice commercial is in the TV show, so that's a big get. We got yeah. the Old Spice guy! Old Spice guy. I mean, that's where. I think Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro yeah, and all those actors probably the, started in doing Old Spice commercials. In the movie, he was a bookshop owner because that's what he is in the book. In the show, he's a cop. And good at his job. Yeah. He committed the ultimate sin and testified against other cops. Gone bad. I, I don't think that's what happened. Cops that tried to kill him and got the woman he loved instead. I, I don't think that... That's Frame your, for her murder. We're getting way off topic. He prowls the Badlands. <laughs> A bounty hunter. A renegade. I, I don't know what you're talking about. That's a different TV show called Renegade. <laughs> Starring the great Lorenzo Lamas. Renegades is a great book by Marissa Meyer. Oh, are they turning that into a Just movie? like how I brought that back <laughs> are around. They turning, are they turning that into a crappy movie? <laughs> Ooh, hey now, it's a superhero book. You would like it. Mm. I, don't, I don't like all superhero movies. And despite being a librarian, I don't read a lot of books. <laughs> yeah, still need you to read The Darkest Minds. Yeah, I tried. The coming out. I tried. I don't know. You got distracted. I did get distracted by life. Life got in the way. It did. It does sometimes. 
Anything else? Are we? Uh, I think we're rambling. Yeah, we tend we tend to do that. So I think we're good though. We're good. So we're putting a putting a uh, a big old period at the end of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone. We're good to go. Yep, we're close the book. What's next, Ray? What's what's book dose? Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets. Mmm. Gonna uh, whet my appetite a little bit. Kind of give me a little uh, little preview. Yeah, Harry and Ron, Hermione, the gang go back to school and the Scooby Gang and trouble ensues. All right, I like it. <laughs> sounds, <laughs> Bet you can guess that was sound, gonna Sounds like you can uh, just plug that into the beginning of any of these books, and it would uh, it would fit just fine. Yep. So. Um, I think that's going to put a, like I said, put a bow on the end of a very fun first 17 episodes of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. You can always uh, send us your thoughts at broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com. If you like the show, if you like what we're doing, if you're having fun, like we're having fun, leave us a review. It helps out. Uh, You can find it um, on iTunes. You can find it on Google Play. You can find it on um, smoke signals you can yell out your window and somebody will it's written the read, it, read it to you um, and I can tell by the way uh, Mars is very bright that it's time for us to go it is time so until next time uh, the next time we see you we will be on Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets Woo. so until next time I'm your Hufflepuff host I'm Dan here. Rhino I'm your Ravenclaw host, Jess Rhino. See ya. Bye. That old black magic has me in its spell. That old black magic that you.